Welcome back to part two of my talk with Mike Nuzzo. Things get interesting in this part as we talk more about golf design, Wolf Point, his thoughts on architecture and the business. So let's get it on. When he, he maybe he could have said anything, and I still, I still would have interpreted it as, oh, he wants the old course because the old course can be anything. But that's what I heard. I heard him say he wanted the old course on his ranch. So yeah, you heard. That's what you heard. Yes, <laughs> no he, he, what he, said, he didn't know it, but that's what he meant too. That's what he meant too. I think that's really is yeah. what he meant. Um, so you basically built a golf course with Don Mahaffey, the two of you, and your crews as as well. And Don went on to become the superintendent there and basically live there. And I don't know if he'd live on the ranch, but he was in charge of the golf course maintenance. Um, how did you meet Don? What was the, what's the story behind the two of your relationships? I I was a I was a very I spent a lot of time on Golf Club Atlas when right. I, I first found it. That was one of the things that Baxter. Had first said to me, he was. We were talking about Chicago Golf Club, and I was going to. I was going to go. I was flying to Chicago, and he was. I was asking him where I should go visit. And he said Chicago Golf Club and Shore Acres, and so I started searching Chicago Golf Club and Shore Acres, and sure enough, Golf Club Atlas comes up. I'm like, what is this? And then find the forum, and I see these crazy courses in Scotland they were talking about at the time, and I was like, wow, like, like there's more light bulbs popping off. And then you find the forum. And then you find all kinds of wackos, and then you find some people that aren't wackos, and then a number one of them was Don. So I remember like kind of getting to know him through the forum, and then it was the first King Putter, where uh, Tommy Nakarado and I don't know if he was the if he was the impetus for the for the meeting, but he certainly <laughs> he certainly was the star of the show as far as I was concerned. Sure, yeah. Um, getting out there, we went. To California. I told my wife, you know, but where are you going? I'm going to California to go hang out with a bunch of uh, my new internet chat room friends. Just like every other story everyone's described, but <clears throat> she looked at me like I was crazy and I was. So we. Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting when your daughters tell that to you. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, <laughs> we, I was, uh, we had a, we had the house party that night and everyone's drinking scotch or home beer or what, and, and, you know, I'm like, there's Don. And so Don was a part of the trip and, like we met, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't like play golf together. We didn't, we didn't talk that much, but we we kind of knew each other and we communicated a little bit afterwards. And Don, Don is a smart guy, and Don can do a lot of things very well. And he had, like, from being a superintendent, he 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 became an expert in irrigation. He was an irrigation auditor, and one of the things that he knew he he knew a lot about design. He knew a lot about great golf in Scotland. One of the things he knew he wanted to know a little more about is what we were doing from from the design perspective, the planning. And so he, he had initiated a conversation with me, like asking, there were some articles I had written about what I was doing and how I was doing it. Uh, it went in Australia's society journal. I'd, I'd, I'd written an article about how I went about my approach, which, which I thought was different to what I'd seen other people, but it was kind of, it was kind of a combination. And so Don had asked some questions about it and, and, our communications one of the one of those times i said by the way how would you take care of a golf course if there was no one playing it he's like what do you mean i mean like 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 from a from a hypothetical standpoint what would when you take care of a golf course there's a difference between having to get off the course before the first tee time versus like if you really wanted to take care of a golf course like what would you do so like that was my way of trying to see if he was able to think differently like without i mean i already knew he could think differently based on what he'd written and his perception of golf courses and business and how everything, but but that was the way we first interacted. And I knew he knew the courses 
of Scotland. I knew he enjoyed, loved Scottish architecture. And I said, how would you like to build the old course on the coast of Texas, on the Gulf Coast of Texas? And he said, what are you talking about? I said, well, then I told him the story and he, he said he couldn't do it because his family was pretty well entrenched and he had, he had been an owner recently and his superintendent travels brought him to Oregon at the time. He said, I mean, his family was large and they were just too entrenched. I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, but he said, but you know, this sounds pretty cool. I'm going to, I'm going to at least go talk to him and tell him, you know, tell him that you, that we were talking or describing it. And as he was telling people, telling people, as he was telling his family the story, every one of his family members had like a very good reason to come to Texas. His son wanted to play real Texas football. His wife was familiar with the community. They, they had owned a course in West Texas. She was comfortable with the community. Like, I think she was like wanting that type of community again. And it, his daughter was like, horses? I <laughs> There's more horses in Texas. So basically, they all had a reason. And I think they encouraged him to come down and like take a look and see what it was about. Because I think, I think they knew that Don had a golf course in him that needed to be built and built soon, is what I think was happening because it didn't it didn't just happen that way i had i had gotten some budgeting and some contractor numbers from al and and i'd shown him how much rates were and how much how much a shaper cost not not a shaper but how much all the operators cost and i was like that's crazy can't we just do that ourselves and he looked at at that point don is now on board and he looked at don and looked at me and he's like can't we just do this ourselves and if we get in trouble i'll help and i'm like of course we can but I, I have no idea. I'm just saying yes because I'll say yes to almost anything. And Don, you know, Don, he didn't help me then, but he's like, yes, yes. Like he, he got the, the cue from me. Like he was full on board too. Like if, if you can support us, like if we get in any trouble, we're going to, we want to do as much of it as we can too. So that, that $8 million project turned into a whole lot less. And so, you know, I, I've published that number. It's been published that we built the golf course for $3 million. And you know, Don elbows me in the ribs whenever, whenever people pull that number out, because the only way you could build a golf course, like we did, was because it was for Al and and all the, the time constraints that he did not have, all the grassing constraints that he did not have, that he let us build the golf course the way Don knew it should be maintained. It's not like I designed it and then then someone built it and then it becomes it really became so collaborative throughout the process. It's like Don's. Don's editing design, Don, you know, irrigation was, was collaborative. Uh, I helped him as much as I could with irrigation. I helped as much as I could with construction, but, but really uh, there, was, there was a lot of the collaboration put together to get it built. And with Al saying, I'm in no hurry, <laughs> do it, do it however, however it makes the most sense. And we're like, at one point we said we could get one hole ready for you this winter, but we'd have to sod it. He's like, or we could wait till next year and you can grass it the way you want to. We're like, or we could do that. So, I mean, that, now we're like at 10 things that I've never heard a client say before. So it, it really like. So you built it for essentially $3 million, but you're saying that it's kind of unrealistic because the situation that would enable that you to build it for that budget will probably are probably unrealistic. Yes. Completely from a schedule, from a, mm -hmm. from a design, from like <laughs> the freedom we had and, you know, whether when 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 we started, he said, "By the way, you don't need to rent equipment because I have equipment." <laughs> well, how do you now? All of a sudden, he has equipment too. He has bulldozers and scrapers, and he has, he, he had all kinds of equipment that we didn't know about. Right. He he, he bought a tree spade. He bought a tree spade 
don't know if it's 120, one of the ones that like, that's on the front of a dump truck size tree spade, just because we thought it would be more efficient for us to move the trees. Not that we move them from the golf course, but from them build the little tree nursery. He bought a tree, he bought a tree, he bought a huge tree spade because he wanted to build the tree nursery. Like, so mm-hmm. that's just a different perspective. Not, not every client has that much capital sitting around. So yes, with, without everything that Al had, it's, it, it it's, it'll, it wouldn't be able to do it like that. And right. Like, so I, I remember following these threads that you would post on golf club Atlas and you know, you would, it's, they seem you'd always update and say, we'll work on this. And there'd be some pictures and it looked outstanding. It got everybody's attention and peak peaked interest, uh, you know, by everybody who follows architecture, but it's, it did seem to go on for a long, long, long time. How long did it take by the time you actually started working on the golf course until all 18 holes were playable? How long was that? I think it was two and a half years, but I am about to try to like actually do the math from just from the all the photos we took. There was a there was a span of like when I like I have all my <laughs> I have all the images from construction all in one mm-hmm. spot. It's I, I'm guessing two and a half years plus. There was two growing seasons. We had nine holes for a while, so that I think that's about I think that's about right. So, so I've got to ask you this now. Not too many people have played Wolf Point, and those who have, though, seem to always come back ex- with expressions of awe and just high praise for the golf course. It's hard to believe how how good this golf course is. How does it feel to have built one of possibly the the best modern golf courses in the country? but nobody's seen it it's you know it's not like you're, you design a course at stream song that gets you know 30,000 40,000 rounds a year i i wish i wish i knew <laughs> i wish i knew all i know is that that uh, al was always supportive he said if there's anything that can help from a business perspective like if you wanted to bring a client if you wanted to have it written about in trade magazines uh, he was good with that which He's like, basically he said, no golf digest, no golf magazine. And he said, no ratings. I don't know at one point we educated him what ratings were, but he's like, there's no raters allowed out here. <laughs> we're not, mm-hmm. we're not selling anything. There's, so <laughs> that, that was, that was the constraint and I had to accept it. And I think in all the years that we did bring people out to visit, there was one time I heard that someone submitted a, a rating to golf week. And if, if I knew who, like literally that was the rules, like, I don't care who you are, like, so I told them, I said, the first rule of, of Fight Club is you cannot rate this golf course. So, <laughs> so no one, there, there, as far as I know, there were, there were no official ratings submitted um, during, the, during the times that, that we were not supposed to get any ratings submitted. So I, I don't know anything else other than yeah. golf course that no one, no one can. Well, certainly. I mean, I, I'm guessing that you wouldn't change a thing about it. it. You know, this was such a rare and unique opportunity for you, and it, it it launched your career. But at the same time, you know, it must be bittersweet that it is sort of off limits. And I guess we should, you know, we should tell people the rest of the story. What, what's going on with the course now, and and what happened? Well, the so Al Al played the golf course for. I hope 10 years and he played literally every day that it was above 50 degrees or whatever he felt was warm enough. And he played, there was uh, Dale, his 
during construction, he played this little goat track down the street, like you know, down the road, one town over, 20 minutes away, where you couldn't see the golf course when you drove by it because it was just pasture golf. And the way I picture it is he played in a foursome of people that he could kind of get along with, and he kind of liked one of the guys, and they had a good match, and they got along pretty well. And someday, I just the way I envision it is, is he said, Adele, by the way, uh, when, when my golf course is finished, we can go play over there. And Dale would have looked at him and said, what the hell is this crazy guy talking about? <laughs> and he would have realized that, oh, he's building his own golf course. So Dale and him had a match every single morning, uh, 200 times a year. I don't know. Every morning they would, they would get, <laughs> Al would walk with his wife in the morning. He'd go for a walk somewhere around their property. And then he'd meet Dale at, like, call it 9.30, 10 o'clock, depending on the, the weather. And they would ride in carts, and they would they would play the golf. I don't know if it was an hour and a half, two hours. They had a match every single morning, and he uh, he got way better. He started like when when he started, he was, I mean, he was average. He hadn't played in a long time, and and uh, he started he started to beat me pretty handily. <laughs> so in the beginning, I'd have to give him strokes, and then then he then that didn't last very long. And, <laughs> Uh, he kept getting better and better. He knew his course, and he had he had limitations. But uh, he eventually started to break his age. I don't know how many times he broke his age, but he was shooting in the in the mid set low to mid seventies when he was in the mid to upper seventies. So uh, it was uh, extra. He passed away almost two years ago now. Uh, extraordinarily tragic. He was like the healthiest. I, I I don't know if he was eighty exactly, but he was the healthiest eighty year old, and it was a, it was a freak accident and it was uh, 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 terrible we had a he had they had a, a, a remembrance weekend where Al's family like so that was his daily matches with Dale and then he would have like a maybe a weekly foursome where some people he'd known locally and then every once in a while he would have uh, a few more people come so there was a couple of scattered foursomes throughout his year and uh, but it was his daily match with Dale and he played every morning it was like he basically played until he was time to go have lunch. So he had his morning match, and then he'd have lunch. That was that was his that was his morning. That he'd go for a walk, he'd play around a golf, and then he'd have lunch. That was his morning. And <clears throat> that's that was kind of what he wanted was to have something fun and entertaining. And he he uh, so <clears throat> so the question the answer the question was where, where's Wolf Point now? Um, over the uh, <clears throat> over the years. There was a home built on it and a clubhouse, and as of right now, there's a there's a airport hangar and a one mile long, perfectly smooth runway. Because uh, Al's wife uh, is a aviation expert pilot, can fly anything, so that was one of their. <clears throat> they have a number of reasons to fly for the travel, um, angel flights. There's philanthropic reasons, and they have flying show so the air the, the facility itself has this airport now hangar that al's wife uses quite a bit but she never got the golf bug the way al did so she she wasn't a regular player of the course so so right now the golf course it's hard to even say but the golf course is for sale so we're we're hoping is it being maintained uh sort of i mean it it's not maintained the like so it's being maintained, yes. So anyone went by, like potential potential buyers, it looks it looks the same. But but I'm whenever you say maintain, and I think of think of the way 
uh, Don, there wasn't an ever a time where I don't ever, I never saw a ball mark anywhere on the golf course. Wolf Point, Don. So if, if so, if I can share a little, this is this is my first experience with playing the first nine holes at Wolf Point. It was me, Don, and Al. Uh, we'd grown in, call it nine. It was a ran, it was not it wasn't a random nine holes, but it was a construction. So that's another reason why you wouldn't. The nine holes we built weren't to have like a front nine or a back nine. The nine holes that were built were from a constructability standpoint. These nine holes made the most sense to build. So in order to play nine holes, we had to like scatter around the property. <clears throat> the, like the, the the last nine holes we built were more in the middle. So the first nine holes were kind of in the periphery. For for there's a couple of reasons, but but no client would let you like build holes almost like in a in a way that's better for construction versus better for playing. He's like, well, wherever the holes will go, we'll go play them. So the first nine holes we played, I remember, like if I had one concern, not a concern, but if I was like, my thought would be maybe the course would be a little easy. And so we played nine holes. I'm like, that was fun. That was really cool. Like I was very familiar with everything about the golf course. And it was, it was, uh, it kind of played kind of the way I expected. So it was like, hmm. <laughs> and then, and then uh, like it was a week or two later, <laughs> We played the next nine holes. I was like, holy crap, <laughs> this is friggin' awesome. <laughs> um, uh, Don, you know, it was still being grown in, and Don was starting to get accustomed to what the golf course needed. The first time it was, it wasn't soft, it wasn't wet, but it wasn't as firm as the way Don would get it when Don felt, felt like it or was able to get it tuned the way a golf course should be tuned for firm, fast, fun conditions. So <clears throat> the golf course was, was, I mean, as good as it was the first time I played it, but it was a mile different the second time we played it. It used to, the first time playing, you're strategically playing around the course. The second time playing it, you're strategically playing around every shot on the course. So there's, every time you have a chip or a putt from anywhere, everything, your, your line matters way more when it's tuned to play well than when you can just kind of bat it near the hole. So there's there's strategy on every shot when it's maintained the way Don had it. Like <laughs> when Don like if we we so we over the years there were some philanthropic outings. Uh, the, there was a couple of last, like once a year, um, or past couple of years, and so we we were able to invite like we were able to put like a, a mass blast golf club atlas come play Wolf Point here's your chance, and so there'd be you know 30 or 40 guys or some it was it was attuned to when the golf industry show was in town or um that 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 brought more people to come play that they were in the area we were able to share it and when when don would say like he he was almost like the tiger woods like when tiger woods talks about winning us he's like yeah he says he plays pretty good so when don would say the golf course is playing pretty good it's kind of playing the way tiger woods played the, the open. yeah you know it's good it's like oh my god this is so that that was uh so right now, when you I'm sorry, when you said how is it being maintained, it, to a regular. But it's not over. It's not overgrown right now. No, I mean, there's no. there's something being done to it to kind of keep it informed because yeah. they have to they want to present it well to potential buyers, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, How does that? I mean, that's 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 got to kind of be heartbreaking to you a little bit just to see what's happened to Wolf Point after spending so much time on it. It was your break. You have so many good memories. You got to know Al so well. So you and Don formed your friendship and partnership. Uh, and, and then to see it just kind of the bottom fall out of it unexpectedly. Is that just, does that 
is that heartbreaking or is do you just are you able to, are you the kind of person that can just chalk it up to business and those are the breaks i was i mean i was way more heartbroken for al i was well, of course yeah so and his family yeah yes so um i i, I don't know how to say it. is it just the, the golfer stuff is it's just business but i mean that was kind of like that was always the constraint that um it was it was only for al so I was like, here's, you know, basically, here's a golf course. You're going to build it for one person. Really, no one else is going to ever get to see it. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, well, on that, on that note, even though you knew it was going to be as exclusive as maybe anything in golf, did you nevertheless think that enough people would see it that the next door would open and more doors would open for your career or at least doors would open more quickly? I would have thought so or I... I naively thought so. Or I mean, when we finished, it was 2006, 2007, 2008. I mean, so uh, that was an inopportune time time to finish. Um, So I literally, so I'd spent, I'm going to go, I'm going to backtrack a little bit to when I was helping Baxter span the most. I'd spent a lot of time, it had been years now to this point where when Wolf Point came, literally they were, they were saying, they were feeling busy enough that they were ready to say, hey, Mike, we'd like to have you be more of a permanent part of our team. And it was like the month after I had been given a retainer by Al, and I literally didn't think I could actually do it anymore. I didn't think I could help them and and help Al. Um, I think I was, so I think I told them that I that I, I don't think I can do it. Like physically, I didn't I didn't know how I'd have the time to do it. If I could tell myself something now, now I'd say <laughs> do both until, you know, you never, Al may, Al may change his mind. Who knows? Anything could happen. You know, this, you've been, you've spent six, seven, eight years to try to, to find a, you know, more of a position with a firm. And it, it probably wouldn't have worked being able to do both, but that's, that, that's the, like, it, it's hard to turn down something that would have been good work, good, mm-hmm. you know, something that's meaningful or, you know, they, they were doing good work to, to what I felt. Um, so, fin- so you're so, saying so fin- that so, it, it is if you could have done done both, then you would have had at least something else to fall back on. Maybe, maybe once Wolf Point was over, had more work because so when, when Wolf Point was finished, I I'd spent I decided to focus on where where golf court like I had been to golf industry shows and I I traveled around a lot. I I actually started spending some I found some a number of conferences. There was the, the there were golfing conferences at the time that were called Crittenden and. There was also the Urban Land Institute had a resort conference once a year. So I I got on the when I was finished with Bull Point I got on the con, on the on the conference circuit like got a booth, got some hats, I got some birdie balls, brochures, postcards, you know any anything I could think of, um, naked lady tees, whatever I could think of to try to you know, have a booth and meet as many different people as I could and. That was that was essentially my business plan was to go out and meet as many yeah. as much of the business as I could. That, that seemed like uh, that seemed like a path to take, and I would probably steer myself a little bit differently now. Just be, well, it was 2008, so that obviously was a difficult time in development. So the, all the business companies that we're talking about, they're also developers, and it's real estate driven. So the real estate market being gone, those guys. Are uh, their businesses uh, suffered 
significantly, and they it's a very competitive business, so there, there isn't a lot of room for someone you never heard of, you never saw their work, even though it looks great and a lot of people loved it, but there just wasn't enough proof, essentially, that they weren't, like a large management company wouldn't, you know, whatever work they were doing, sometimes it was, they said they were renovating, of course, but really they were just doing something a little bit different, that there wasn't as much need for, for what I was providing at the time. Yeah, I mean the it's the golf course architecture is, you know, even when times are not miserable and depressed and recessed, it's hard enough to get into that business anyway, right? And it's it's gotten better, but it's still, you know, it's still tough sledding just given the uh, scarcity of jobs and such with so little new construction going on. Yeah, I mean it's just it's a it's a difficult thing to get into, isn't it? Yeah, and and the reason one of the reasons it's better is because so many. Firm, there used to be some large firms. They used to have, whether it was five, ten, twenty people working there. That those firms are, those firms are gone. I mean, there's no, there's no associate role. There's, there's very little opportunity. Lots of the number of people working in the industry is significantly different than it was ten years ago, from a design perspective. Right. So there's, there's fewer opportunities for a, a younger person to like, like when I was looking to try to be an associate those those are those roles are few and far between yeah i mean so much of the business now is is outsourcing uh in using guys like for instance com i guess you're completing a progress uh pro excuse me uh, you're completing a project now grand oaks reserve just uh, you know maybe a little northeast of houston and that's an interesting project, and we can talk about that. But you're you're hiring, uh, you've hired and worked with Keith Reb and Angela Moser, as well as Don Mahaffey, to be the shapers on that course. And that's kind of a thing that we've seen recently is these independent contractors who will, you know, Keith will work with you. He works with Riley Johns. He works with Bill Corr. Uh, so this is more sort of like if you can afford to be a little bit nimble, move around a little bit more. You can find jobs that way, but it's not an office job. Your your name isn't, you know, you're not an associate, like you said. You're not part of a formal hierarchy anymore. You're just kind of moving from job to job and working with different people all the time. That's kind of the new model, I think. It, 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 if there was a way that I knew to, like, like a model that actually worked, and, like, if I knew that if I dug a hole over here, eventually I would find a project, I would, <laughs> I would have dug... I would have dug a hole to China and found it. But, yeah. but basically, for me, what I've found is that it's, it is very difficult to know where to dig. So I, I spent a lot of time digging with large management companies and a little bit of, and I've helped a few of them in a little bit, but, but really, how do, you, how do you predict Al's going to call you one day? How do you predict a member at a club on Long Island is pretty unhappy with what's happening at the club and didn't quite think that the person that they were starting to work with was all that and so he calls me out of the blue and says the committee doesn't want to fly you up here but i'm going to pay to fly you up here and i want you to take a look at the golf course just based on the, some of the things that you described on your website i think you might be someone i want to talk to even though i have he's like a wonderful man but he wasn't like the green chair he wasn't the club president and so he brought me up to the woodmere club on long island and i met it, it, it was like there was like a year process for them to realize that I could help them. They had a number of other alternatives and they tried some things and we 
we rebuilt an area that was damaged during Hurricane uh, Superstorm Sandy. Mm-hmm. It was a stand of like 100 pine, I don't know, 150 pine trees that was separating holes 10 and 4, and it was lost. I mean, their whole maintenance facility was devastated. They had a huge impact with the storm, but two holes were significantly impacted. They needed, they need, they knew they needed to do something there, and so um, I went out. I visited, sketched some ideas, and Don. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna share. Don, Don is the, Don is the glue that helps put the project together. So when, when we describe Keith or Angela, they're, they're technically working for Don. So Don is the one that that has the has that perspective of the owner slash general manager slash builder slash irrigation guy that he has a he has an ability to put that team together. So he helped so when he helps get involved with the club and helps put the team together, there we would have whether it's a shaper, a couple of operators, a couple of like our long term intern, we have a number of he helps put the team together, acting as a contractor to build for that club, for that specific project. So that when when you're describing Grand Oaks, I'm I'm hearing well. Technically, uh, they the the client. If I could, if I may talk a little bit about Grand Oaks. So because so Grand Oaks, because this is similar as well. The gentleman that called me said that they had a new development, and they wanted to add an amenity to the property because it was in um, an area that wasn't as bustling as downtown Houston, and so they thought he thought golf would be a good fit. Uh, it was early yet. We weren't even sure. I remember the first time I gave them a proposal because they they wanted a proposal what I could do, and I told them what I would investigate how much golf could fit on their property. And that took a while. Like I think that took months before they said, "Okay, come out and like get their clients to approve, you know, their their bosses to approve whether or not they would look at golf on the property." And right from the beginning, like. When I'm describing Don, Don and I were in discussions with him from the beginning to help. Like so, Don helps put together the the project. So eventually, they did hire uh, us to design a golf course for him, and eventually, they hired Don to be the the builder of the golf course. So, Don's relationships with Keith and Angela in the past would help he put that team together. So. That team, when you're describing being able to, like, take the best of the, like, like I feel so fortunate to have had Keith and Angela working with us, and still Keith's still working up there, and uh, like I, I find it to be lucky to have uh, talented people work on projects, right? Because you can't have everyone on staff all the time unless you're a, a large production house, and so it's key, it's Don's relationship. So so Don has built a number of great golf courses, and assisted building great golf courses since Wolf Point, in more of the construction and irrigation vein. Uh, some working with with Tom up at Dismal River, is I believe where we first met Angela, and then he worked with Keith and Riley at Winter Park, and so they were a hell of a team together, and that is. Don's relationship with Keith is when, when we, we were fortunate that Keith had some availability and he's been but like that's how the team gets together is because there is a relationship there's a knowledge of of who people are and I mean if I was if we were doing it for much longer we would 
we would keep, we would have our people that we've worked with in the past, and there'd be more experiences. But, but this is, uh, it, it's been great. Uh, we're we're uh, we're ecstatic with how things are shaping up. The, the golf course is called Nine Grand. It's in a development called Grand Oaks Reserve. It's a, an hour northeast of Houston. It's in a town called Cleveland, Texas, and they're going to have a hell of a nine-hole golf course uh, pretty soon. It's interesting. You go from Wolf Point, which I don't want to say it to say it was an unlimited canvas to work on isn't quite right because you talked about some of the um, restrictions that you had and how where you could put the golf holes. But you went through a, a large you know number of routings with that. There were a lot of different ways you could kind of lay out the golf course. You had a, the freedom of time. You had the, the you know a, an ample budget to say the least. Um, it was just a very unique project, and you go from from that scale of freedom really to this project nine grand which was intended to be an 18 hole course but then you realized that the property wouldn't fit 18 holes so you were very creative and you you built a nine hole course and then a nine hole short course and there'll be a putting course too but it's kind of like working in a on a giant set of a stanley kubrick movie or a terrence malick movie that goes on for years and years and years it's such a production and then you go from that to something much smaller and defined almost like working in a, a theater on Broadway or something, you know, to go from one, one epic endeavor to another. Did it feel that way to you? Or were you just, you know, what, what was it? What was the, what did that feel like to you to shift from, from one mode of design and construction to this other? Yeah, the, it was an epic difference. When you go from Al who says, take all the time you need, have essentially all the land you need. Uh, the property was flat. So that was our, our biggest constraint at Wolf Point to then, the client saying, well, we, we have a large development. We're building it in an area that's not used to this type of large development. It's, it's a little bit risky in that it's a, it's a big development. I mean, just the size and scope of it's large, whether it's, I don't know the exact number to date, but it, there's a lot of homes. There's condominiums. There's apartments. There's office frontage. There's community centers. It's a large, it's a 700 acre development. And the property itself is complicated because it hadn't been developed before because there's uh, a fair amount of the land was in the floodplain and some was in the floodway. And in order to get the developable land out of the floodplain, there's a large lake. There's a 40-acre lake being dug in the back of the property, which is generating material to, to get all the homes out of the floodplain. And with the piece of property, some of that land in between here and in between there happened to be land that they said, well, can golf fit in here? And there, there were times where they looked at bigger pieces, where they had asked about the 18-hole option, and there was one point where they, I think what they were, it was going to not be connected. Like 18 holes would have been, it would have been a tortuous path to get around the property, and I, I said uh, that would not be good for the golf course. We're in, we are, we were firmly entrenched that a nine-hole property, that the nine-hole course, it seemed to fit. It just felt like it fit. From a, from a land planning perspective, from a community perspective, from a golf demand perspective, it just seemed like it was really would be best for them. And so through those iterations, like the, the, the edge of the homes moved quite a bit. So there were, there were times where I'd be at a meeting like, well, that looks to me more like three or four holes. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I, we can build three or four holes and I'm good with that, but... <coughs> So we got a little bit lucky in that 
some of the home shifted back over a little bit and we wound up with enough for a good, what I'm calling now is a really good nine hole golf course. And right. this other parcel near the community center, which is the clubhouse and the, the pub, it, on a plan, it looks like a big giant practice facility where you'd have a big driving range and a chipping green, short green, you have bunker. It'd be like the ideal practice facility. And I'm thinking a public golf course and a big practice facility, like that, that seems to be a good fit. But then we got the environmental, a more refined environmental study back that showed that there was all kinds of environmental reasons that you couldn't put a range there. You couldn't use this parcel. So then it turned into practice and a little course. I built a, we built a little pitch and putt for a municipal golf course a few years ago just because I love little golf courses. It's, if I were to take my daughters to go play somewhere in Houston, like where would I go? There's, there's no place, there's no public place to take my daughters to play golf in Houston, which seems to me to be crazy. That's pretty sad. It's the fourth largest city in the United States. So, I took them to Wolf Point to play where we have the golf course to ourselves. So there was be like no formal place for them to go like learn how to play. Like we can get them lessons, they can go to the range, you can do that. But to actually go play the way, play the way what I'm describing as being a pitch and putt, where you actually go play a real course, you chip and you putt and you hit and you like you play a little pitch and putt course. There is uh, unless you're now at a private club where they've built something recently that that is uh, non-existent. So. Uh, we, we did build one a couple years ago for your municipality, a little further away. It turned out good. But, but this piece of property, and what we're calling uh, the three grand now, nine grand for the big course, three grand for the little course. Uh, I, I love it. We all love it. It's, uh, it, it. The nine holes go around this environmental area. All the practice that was planned for the project is all gone. Don, Don looked at me one day and goes, Mike, how much do you like to practice? I go, I don't like to practice. I like to play. He's like, yeah, we like to play. Why don't we just focus on playing? Because at one point there was a little bit of practice and there was play and it was a little bit too much to put into that area. So we, we grew what was a little pitch and putt course into now it's a, it's a, it's a par three golf course. It is, it's a thousand yards, nine holes, long holes, short holes. There's some crazy holes, some crazy greens and it, uh, I, it looks, it looks, it looks great. That sounds we're, great. We're, we're excited. And, and the, the putting course. So, so the way it developed at the end is I told, I told, we told our clients that we're going to put as much golf into the property as we can. The nine hole golf course that takes up the bulk of it, but this other teardrop shaped piece. Now it's got this big nine hole par three course. And like, well, we have room for a putting course. And here again, Don had a really good suggestion of saying, Instead of a big tumbling Himalayas-like putting course, how about we make it more like a structured course? So we, Rob, our intern, Rob was our intern at Wolf Point. He he contacted me when he was like 18. <laughs> he was he was a young <laughs> he was a young uh, awesome whippersnapper, and uh, he 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 was our intern at Wolf Point. I I was uh, I was uh, hopeful and helpful to. To get uh, to get him to, to work for us there, and so he got to see a lot of construction. Then he spent ten years working on uh, again at Wolf Point, and he would go work for big contractor and he built some courses in San Antonio, like the TPC courses in San Antonio. And he he, he put a lot of construction under his belt, and uh, he's back and he was uh, he's helped on a number of projects. And 
he was our superintendent, our project superintendent, and we uh, tasked him with routing the putting course. So Rob went out and it was the area was pretty flat, so it required some shaping. So what what looks like a Himalayas putting course actually has a nine-hole routed structured putting course that Rob did a lot of the shaping on and Rob created the routing for. So Rob, from our once intern now 10 years later, uh, so we there's like there's nine distinct corridors for for holes and and some of them are pretty crazy so so the the so now the the genesis the overall golf perspective of the site is if you walk up to the clubhouse if you walk up to the pro shop and you say you want to play golf you say well how much time do you have if you have 30 minutes you play the putting course if you have an hour you play the par three course if you have two hours you play the big course if you have more time, you play some combination of those. And they, they are exactly what I would want to go play. If I had half an hour, that's where I'd play. If I had an hour, that's what I would do. And if I had two hours, that's what I would do. So you don't need to go practice. You don't need to go to top golf as many golf balls as top golf sells. I would still rather go play a cool little par three golf course for an hour. That's, I would too. That's, that's, uh, I, I would, I, I wouldn't even be close. Yeah, like Wolf Point, it's this sounds like to people who like golf and golf architecture. This sounds like some place they they would love to go play. Unlike Wolf Point, they actually can. This is a a place where people who are stopping and have business in Houston or passing through might want to seek out Grand Oaks and the nine grand course and the three grand course and this putting course you're talking about. It's because it sounds sounds like what golf needs right now. This kind of diversity and openness. Yeah, I hope so. I lo- I love it. The, the overall property it. It is it is planned to be an inexpensive public golf course. I don't know. It it is going to be affordable, very affordable. So epically different, and I'm 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 excited to to see more people play, and it'd be phenomenal to have a lot of people play. It it's to anybody. The point is that anybody can go play. Like if 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 I were to control the initial website, the launch of it, the like the on the first page of the, like, as you, the splash page, you would say, by the way, have you ever played golf before? <laughs> that, that, why wouldn't you ask someone if they, yeah. that's the first question I would ask. Have you ever played before? Not have you ever played here before? Do you, do you know anything about golf? Do you know you can just pull into our parking lot, come say hi, and we'll give you a putter and you can go play a whole course? <laughs> so you've never been on a course before. So, so part of when they try to sit, when the homes and the model homes are up, one of the, the features of the way this is structured, the golf, is that you give people a tour, you show them the community center and the pool area, and oh, by the way, this golf over here, it's not just for the elitists. Anyone can come play. So it'll be a, it is going to be a, an amenity to when they're selling and developing the home. So I really hope that they promote that, especially the putting. You know, come and grab this putter. Here, here's a ball. Go out and have fun. I mean, that's that is so rare in golf to have a facility that is that would welcome you to do that. You know, I practice at a place near here and I really am not supposed to even go putt on the green unless I've already purchased a bucket of balls to hit. You know, you can't just wander out with the putter. And that's the kind of thing that's really holding, holding us back from developing a richer, stronger golf culture in this country. You know, it's private clubs on one end and everybody else is left to fend for themselves. And too often you don't have a resource like, 
Grand Oaks where you might be able to just go and enjoy golf, maybe for the first time, like you were just talking about, somebody who's never played before, this could be their entree into the game. Why this doesn't happen more often everywhere else, I, I'll never never figure it out. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to figure out just because it's such an investment and it, the, the way it was marketed before to sell a development was to have a big course and a big name. That's not gonna. That's not gonna work. That's not helpful <laughs> to the game itself. No, uh, too expensive, too long, too big, too much to maintain. Wrong priorities. Priorities. Yeah. So we're 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 really enjoying how this is all coming together. And Don's Don's perspective on golf has been sorry. So Don, I mean, the more and more we work together, the more and more I want Don to be a part of everything from the beginning. I mean. We're separate entities, but but we what gets confusing is that the lines get pretty blurred mm-hmm. to the, for the outside. People would say people wouldn't have an idea of what's happening because it is kind of complicated. Just how how our our abilities are different, but but they work together to put together the project. So it's a, it's a cool site. There's cool holes. There's really good shaping. There's really good contour. There's really interesting greens. The greens have a lot of variety. The holes have a lot of variety. One of what I one of my favorite things about Wolf Point is how every green kind of caters towards a different orientation. It, there were some current threads going on Golf Club Atlas about greens being tilted from back to front, and how it's crazy anathema to have a green that goes from front to back. And if you do it once in a while, well, that's you know you wouldn't want to tip the uh, tip the scales to make the the earth shatter. Wolf Point every green points in a different direction, so. Some tilt, like literally if you have a clock, there's at least one green that points towards every hour on the clock. And some of them point in different directions. So mm-hmm. depending on where you are in the hole, you could be in the wrong spot. Of the, depending where you are on the fairway, you could be in the wrong spot. The clock is facing away from you. So we're a little more mindful in that nine grand is public. And so, and it is uh, just the way it was built, the constraints, that it, it, it's not as... We don't point in every compass direction, but we our greens do. They are quite different. So there, there's more variety on those greens than, than you would see on any other nine-hole public course. And, and they're still mm-hmm. and they're and they keep getting better. So they're they're developing more and more. But there's some really neat things out there. The, the property has two bayous that pass through it. So there's there's a number of similar characteristics to Wolf Point, but but there's a number of different feels to it as well. So I'm 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 a I am very excited. We've mentioned Don Mahaffey a few times um, and also talked about your the way you got into golf architecture, which was non-traditional, I guess, to say the least, and your experiences have been kind of unique to to you. Have you developed relationships with other golf course architects? Is there anybody in the industry that you've become close to other than Don? Uh, certainly, certainly. There have been, just initially in the beginning when I would reach out and contacted a number of local and some not so local architects just to to help they so they they were helpful and I, I learned a lot from a lot of them and they have uh, those years of having booths and and going to the industry show and the superintendent show and the golf industry show I would bump into architects and I was even <coughs> I, I was uh, it was an early golf Inc conference and 
me and one of the a general manager at a local club were hanging out at the, the Pinehurst Inn and uh, look to our right and there's uh, Perry Dye. So you, know, you never know who you're going to run into at the at the at the at dinner when you're at a conference. You're going to run into other architects. Like I saw I saw an architect friend of mine in the airport the other day. So you do wind up in a circle where you are acquaintance with other architects and you get to spend more time with them and Bill Kaur was someone who I had obviously admire his work greatly and we were at a conference together and I got to spend some time with him and and then I I was lucky enough that when he gave me a tour of Swaro. So Swaro was finished uh, not too long afterwards and he gave me a it was, it was, I think, kind of his home course. So he was a little ill, and he, but he still, he, uh, nicest person ever to come out and want to show his work to me and give me a tour. And he's checked in on me to see how I'm doing over over time. So yeah, that, that's like the acquaintance type of more than acquaintance and appreciate. Like I've showed him some work, and there's an appreciation. And sometimes proposals against other architects. There's generally an acquaintance, but I, I will also say that Tom Doak is uh, another architect who I met. At, it was at a golfing conference. So, right, I've, there's so many different ways to to meet people that you admire. But we were, you know, here Tom Doak is speaking at this conference, and I, maybe I had a booth, or so every once in a while I would I would have a small speaking engagement. Uh, but I would get to hang out with Tom, and I remember we were. We were at, I believe it was the Pete Dye, the PGA National, where that was one of Tom's early projects, working with Pete. And he uh, he gave me a tour of the course and described how when he was working for Pete, how the process went. And he told me a lot of, call it inside baseball, about how things worked for him back then. And he was, uh, I thought, one of, uh, that was one of the more special like days to that point. Spending, listening to Tom, having him describe what it was lurk, working with, with uh, the Dye family and everyone else that worked on the team. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, I would see Don, I would see Tom at a at another conference, and we would talk some more. And eventually, he had done. So I, I believe he had been working with Don, or they had been working together on a project. But he was coming to visit Don. Whatever. When he came to Wolf Point, that was a that was a highlight, right? So a lot of architects have been to highlight have have been to Wolf Point and have seen the work and a number have said things that uh, I couldn't I couldn't have been more thrilled or proud of or happy to hear someone I admire greatly thought the seventh green at Wolf Point was one of the better things in golf and I was like I, I mean I couldn't I couldn't uh, ask for more to have that kind of reception from People, I, they're not peers, or people that have been in the business longer than me that have done more work that I couldn't respect more. But I, I do, I do remember quite vividly when Tom came down and we played Wolf Point together, and it was he was doing research for the confidential guide that was dealing with the Southern United States called I think it's the Winter Edition Volume Two. Mm-hmm. He was wanted to come see more work, and we got finished playing the first round <laughs> and uh f- photography being an element of golf course design that's that's how tom said he first approached pete die was he spent a lot of time photographing golf courses and he think it sounds like that's what he described as what pete first recognized 
And that here's a young kid, he's taking a lot of pictures, but they're pretty good. I mean, Tom's got a very good eye for composition. And I'm aware that photography, there is an element of composition that does have impacts, implications, effects on on setting up golf holes and routing and golf course design. But he looked, he, <laughs> we finished playing, we had a good time, we were all smiles. And he asked me if it was okay if he took pictures of Wolf Point for his, either his notes or his, or for the book or for, for I didn't know what. <laughs> but he asked me if it was okay if he took pictures of Wolf Point. And I, I chuckled inside and said, oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is like uh, the greatest thing ever. So there have been some, inter- I've had some interactions with Tom since then. And uh, one of them were, we were, he asked me to help him with a proposal. Uh, more than just helping it, it was, it was kind of a kind of a work collab- collaboration. I don't I don't know how to describe it because it's all confidential. But um, not through oh. him, not through him. But mm-hmm. you know, we, he'd asked him to support something, and and it was during that time that I was I, I went up and I visited his office, so we were doing a little bit of work together. And while I was there that day, he actually received the shipment of Volume Two, the Confidential Guide. It came with a truckload of books, and. Uh, he the, the person, the gentleman who was responsible for books and like a small team of local like high school kids or something. It was, they were tasked to, I don't know how many, you know, is it 2,000 copies? It was a lot of copies of the book. So it was self-published. They received them all in the office and then shipped them out. So, so I, I got to help them unload, uh, the confidential guide that called 1,000, 2,000 copies into their office. I got to spend some time in the office and, Marvel, walk around, check out everything that was in there. There's a, there's an apartment upstairs that I got to, uh, that I stayed there because it was like a two day process. So literally, I spent the night, uh, in Traverse City. There were, there were 2,000 copies of the confidential guide, uh, in, in the room with me. <laughs> and, uh, I didn't crack the cover. <laughs> I did not open it. I did not look at it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Tom was Tom was busy. He'd you know overseen the books, <laughs> signed a bunch of books, and he had we were maybe gonna have dinner. You know, he was just he is a busy. We had we we spent a lot of time together those two days, but but it was more he was going from one task to the next, and it was the end of this. I remember during the second day he was the second day he was signing books, and I was I was working in a separate office doing some planning, and he had uh, was grinding it out the day. So, <laughs> And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> I, I hope Tom comes in and, you know, talks to me at some point. Not that he weren't, not we weren't talking in meeting about work, but, but comes in and talks to me about the confidential guide. Because if, if, if Wolf Point was going to be in the confidential guide, this would be the only chance that it would ever be in the confidential guide. And he was just busy. <laughs> so the day, the day's ending and, uh, he's about to leave and he, and he hands me a copy that he signed for me. He'd been signing books all day long for for the for the distribution, and uh, I probably should have it in front of me and open it and read what he wrote. But uh, it was uh, it was awesome. Uh, it's so obviously it was a gourmet choice. He listed Wolf Point as a gourmet choice, and he wrote a nice piece about it and described what he liked about it. And even beforehand, he described how like I had asked him what he thought about it afterwards and one of the things he said was it was hard to describe it it was hard to it was a little bit harder for him to describe and I, I took that as the greatest compliment possible because that meant it was different 
from what he had seen before. He he values variety. He values golf to be a little bit different. I mean, he went to where he went to the Himalayas to go see that crazy course that's right. in the Himalayas that he in Nepal. Oh, that he that he thought he loved because it was different. So if you have to go to the Himalayas, it's because he's when you've traveled around the world and seen literally thousands of golf courses, yeah, you're going to want to crave something a little different and unique at at that point. And if and if he had that perspective and saw Wolf Point and still was a little un like it was a little bit um, different still. I, I, I couldn't have been happier. Couldn't have been more blown away. He handed me the book. My jaw dropped to the floor. I like didn't know what to say. I said thank you. <laughs> he was leaving, and I ran out. <laughs> like literally, like I ran out the office door, and I said, "Wait, Tom. Wait. I'm joking. Now I'm, I'm, I'm embellishing, <laughs> but like I, I can't just leave, okay. I can't just leave it at like a thank you. I mean, like I had no words. All I could say was thank you. So I told him how much it meant and how appreciative, and like I got a chance to like look to see that it wasn't. Then he started to give me a little more feedback and tell me the meaningfulness of of what it took to be a gourmet tour. I mean, basically what it what what golf meant for to him and and how it was how cool he thought it was to 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 have created something that's that's rare and how worthy it was so um like i'm like okay <laughs> i'd like to to wrap it up i'm like wow i'm done what what else would i what else could i possibly need to do yeah, it's all downhill it's from here, right? <laughs> that Al, that Al loved to play every day. That Don and I created a relationship with, and I, I learned a tremendous amount of about the golf course and, and constructing of a golf course with Don, and and to to working to creating the ability to do that again later on, and to have someone who you hold in huge esteem, Tom's work, uh, right? Um, have him validate it in that manner is like. Uh, Mm -hmm. damn i'm ready to retire so (laughs) that's it that's it right well mike mike we should probably wrap this up i've got a couple quick quick things i want to ask you before we uh shut this down and the first one is i'm just curious we were talking about the confidential guide and and tom is often very forthright in his opinions about things that he likes and things that he doesn't like are are you a critical or opinionated person when you go to see other golf courses when I have uh, my a critical hat on, yeah, I mean I can go play a course and have fun and and get engaged in the in the camaraderie or being outside or playing or anything. But if I'm going to look at it, it, my eye has changed a lot from who cares what it is. It's a golf course for Christ's sake. Excuse, excuse my language. I mean, who cares what it is? It's it's a golf course. How could it not be great? To to really wishing there was someplace good that I could go play every day here in Houston, which to, to my tastes, there isn't. Yeah, I I have a similar, in my market, I have a similar sentiment. Would you care to share a the name of a golf course that is popular or, or highly rated or just otherwise well thought of that you just didn't get or didn't like? In, in the area, generally, where the land is, there's no relief that Houston's flat. Every, every golf course, I mean, some have nicer environments. Some are a little more engaging, a little, uh, a little bit different. But generally, there's, there's uh, just the whole, the whole market. Nothing. Like I don't wake up saying, "Boy, I wish I was playing there today." 
I think. Mm. So your your answer is an entire yeah. <laughs> major yes. metropolitan area. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, that's diplomatic. You're not going to offend any there particular are, person. So one of the things I do when I go visit some place, sometimes it isn't like a hole or the course. Sometimes it's like just the way some of the approaches feel. Or sometimes it's just the way there's there's like I'll take more of a like a an aspect of the course when I visit something. So I, so that I do see like I do like those approaches. Or I do like how those greens tie into the teeth there's there can be a number of things that there still are some high points but there aren't many there aren't, there aren't anything where the whole thing is where the whole course is tied together where it's filled with high points it's there might be something that i like about it but but not enough to go play well let's switch it into something more positive you we talked a little bit about how you routed wolf point and that there, there were different iterations of that and it took you a while to get the right combination and the right balance aside from wolf point What's the best routing of a golf course you've ever seen? I I want to say that it is Pacific Dunes. So, like when you, I've heard some of your other interviews where you talk about modern golf courses and your, your favorite modern courses you've seen. Pacific Dunes is one of the more memorable ones, and I mm-hmm. I think it's driven in large part due to the routing. I've I've I study a lot of routings, and I study routings from above and. Generally, the more triangles it has, the better it's routed, and the more I like it. But I, but I do think that it is so tied to the golf course that when the golf course is really good, it's it's because of the routing. In, in a major part, it's because the routing is so well done. So I, I do like the routing at Pacific Dunes. Now that you've had a chance to reflect on Wolf Point, are there is there ever a a piece of the property or a routing decision that you made that you made might go back and change if you were had the knowledge that you have now there was one i in in getting an understanding of working with clients it was uh, encouraging to read about how the more the client was engaged the more that they would maybe like the end result or maybe they wouldn't question the end result tom has written about that that if they're not as engaged in the, the process that when it comes to the end they they might not understand it so that's why partly why we were trying to get al more engaged and when he would say i it just looks like dirt to me. I'll just bulldoze it if, if I don't like it. But there was mm-hmm. <laughs> one, there was one point where we had uh, there was there's a three hole triangle. As it stands now, it's uh, 14, 15. Um, it's 14, 15, and 16. Well, 14 green, 15, 16, and 17. So it's 15, 16, and 17. But but 14 green uh, is on the other side of Keller Creek, and it could have been. On the same side, it, it's the only forced carry at a green on the golf course. And I was, I had two routings. It was one where the green was on the other side, and it was one where the green was on the same side, so you wouldn't have a forced carry at the green. And I said, well, here's, at that point, I didn't have a, I had, I had both triangles sketched. One was clockwise, one was counterclockwise. I said, here seems to be a good opportunity to get Al engaged. Let's see if, if he's okay with the forced carry at the green. And so I showed him the option. I described to him what the routing dilemma was, and I described to him how this means there'll be this many par fours or this many par fours in a row. I told him how like some subtle changes, and I said the 14th green can be with a force carry or not. He said his immediately, without considering any of the other things I was describing, he's like, oh, definitely put the green on the other side of the creek. I want it harder. I'm like, oh, no. What did I... <laughs> What did I just do? I, 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 I did not want to get 
into the situation where the client, every time I ask him a question, they're going to say, just make it harder. He would make like more challenging or more fun for him or harder for the visitors, a better home field advantage. And so once, like I had to put the green on the other side because that seemed to be his preference. So once that there, that cemented 15, 16, and 17 coming back. So the triangle in the other direction would have been good, but the way it is now, I love it. I wouldn't, I would never change that. And it was, I mean, maybe I drove it. Maybe Don was helped. But literally, Al specifically said he liked the 14th green on the other side of the creek. So that was like the key that said it, it's got to go that way. So uh, it was kind of arbitrary in that Al actually... So there's a little bit of some really good golf courses in Wolf Point, whether it's an angle here from Seminole or a, or a, a little bit of a feel from the old course or a little bit of a green from uh, NGLA. There's It's not like very much, but maybe like a teeny, like a, a little morsel or a little taste that helped inspire some of the mm -hmm. around the property. And so that little nine-hole dog track that Al used to play had a, a ninth hole. The green was on the other side of the creek. So Wolf Point has some of the old course, some of Seminole, some of Royal County Downs, some of NGL. It has a whole bunch of little tiny bits imbued in it, and it also has the dog track because Al, that little piece where Al liked to carry the to the green at the at the last hole at that course, which was a zero, not a, it was a one, but 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 that is also a part of the routing. So you found the one thing there that that had value at least to somebody, somebody. and were able to incorporate it. Yes, but I, and I didn't know at the time, and just Al, I didn't ask Al many questions after that because I always knew what his answer would be. So, but it, yeah. but. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't want to change it in its imperfections whatever could you've made it better I, I think maybe whatever that means but in its imperfections how it turned out uh, I I wouldn't want to change it well, let's just hope it never does get changed since there's a buyer for Wolf Point and it just keeps it somehow preserved you know yes, let's let's just make that be our good thought right now I, if I so that would be the I would we haven't talked about the other option but but I, if I could be the writer of the contract would be you purchase the golf course, you have to keep it this way. Yeah, like put the about, course into a conservation easement somehow yes. that it has to be maintained as is. When you asked me about my somber about the, the golf course, we, you didn't say, by the way, what happens if they decided to you know, change it? That, that's a, that's <laughs> I didn't have the heart to bring that up. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't go there. All right, well, let's not. Let's leave it at that, Mike. I want to thanks, thank you again for taking the time. I, um, I know you've been busy and... Um, want to wish you the best of luck and all the things that are happening and finishing up Grand Oaks. And hopefully everybody who's listening, if they're, if they're in Houston, go check that out because that needs to be in the discussion of how we can create a better golfing, more richer culture in this country. It's a little devoid of quality, family, accessible, affordable places like that. So hopefully that helps the Houston area. And <laughs> that might be where you go play all your golf now too. I, I would certainly do that. And I plan on doing that. And now I have a place. The girls are a little bit older and I, but I will be able to take them. And, and Derek, I hope, I hope you and I get to play there soon too. I don't make it to uh, Houston. In fact, I've never been there, but Whoa. let's get, let's get Wolf Point up and running. We'll do a double header, Grand Oaks and Wolf Point. And I would make a special trip out for that. I, I hope you will. And uh, we'll go to a concert also. There we go. As long as it's not country music, I think we agree on that. Good. We could, I'm sure we can find some common ground on music. I'm not sure it's going to be 21 Pilots either, but we, we'll talk about that later. We have lots of <laughs> options. 
I'm sure we do. Hey, Mike, best to you. Thanks for taking the time. It's good talking to you. Thank you, Derek, very much. Real quick, I would like to encourage you, if I may, to go to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. If you like what you hear, if you're enjoying the podcast, leave a star rating, please. Uh, Comments are great also. You can also find me at feedtheball.com and leave comments there. And uh, you can always hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at feedtheball as well. So you should have a pretty good idea of who Mike Nuzo is after these last two podcasts. Very creative, very thoughtful guy. He has also cemented his place as a finalist for Dad of the Year for chauffeuring his daughter around to those concerts and enabling her photography and even flying her to the 21 Pilots concert in Arkansas. My God, he set a high bar for the rest of us dads to have to clear. So thanks for that, Mike. But way to go. That's awesome. One other note. How about this guy, Dale? What a lucky guy. Just to be friends like that with Al Stanger playing their little goat track uh, in the field golf and then uh, suddenly getting the invitation to basically play Wolf Point every day with the uh, the owner of the golf course. <laughs> Who would have thought that Dale would be the luckiest guy in golf? Um, one last note. You know, Mike has built Wolf Point now and he's done some other work and he's finishing up the work at three grand and nine grand at Grand Oak Reserve. Go to his website, mnuzo.com, and just look at some of the routings he's got. Most of them have not been built. They're master plans and developmental plans that he's, he's done for other clients, but they're fascinating. The, just the concept of some of these holds, the width, the centerline bunkering, uh, the bunker clusters, uh, they're just you know two-dimensional images. But if you can look at those routings and not be just incredibly intrigued by what Mike could potentially produce if he gets more jobs, then... You just don't see architecture the way I do because they're fascinating to me. Uh, Hopefully one of these days, those golf courses or golf courses like that with those types of routings will find their way into the ground and into reality. I thought Mike was great. Thanks to him for taking us on the journey of his career up to this point. Thanks to all of you for joining us on that journey. Thanks to the Sundogs. And until next time when we do this again, cheers. Cheers.